Welcome to another episode of Latina Life with Jenna Molina. Today, we have another super Latina joining us. So excited, so thrilled to have her on. She's a mother of three. She's the founder of the online woman empowerment community, Woman of Today, and a New York Times bestselling author with her new book, Just Try One Bite. Welcome to the show, Camila Alves McConaughey. How are you? Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm still like, to hear you said... uh, New York Times bestseller in front of my name to a new thing. I'm like, I'm still going, what? what? Okay. Okay. Yes, I'm here. Congratulations <laughs> on that. That is an amazing honor and an amazing title, but you worked really hard at it. And you know what, speaking, like talking about your book and we're going to dive right into that, right, Jen? Like yes. food yes. is something that we as Latinas love. Yes. But you know, like, you know, as, as you guys know, being from, you know, a different country you know like look I only spoke three words three sentences in English when I first moved to this country mm-hmm. so for me like literacy literacy you know having a book being on bookshelves being part of that process was something I never really even thought about you know what I mean like I thought it was so far out to, mm-hmm. of my reach um so to like learn the language how I learned you know I learned this on the streets, really, like, you know, talking to people, working and all of that. I, I went to school for a very short period of time. So, to, you know, when I, when we launched the book, just going in the store for the first time and seeing a book on the bookshelf in the store with my name in it, I was like, okay, this is so wild. And then once I got, you know, the instant New York Times, I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. And it was a, it's been a a wild journey in terms of just, you know, like you said, like from the beginning to doing this and all of a sudden I go, oh, this is a barrier that I never really expected to break or to get into that category, right? Or into that group, right? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. she's not my first language. I'm still, I still learn a new word of English every single day, one or more every single day. So for me to be like, uh, you know, writing something, partnering, you know, I partnered with Adam to write this, but even to, anyway, so that's kind of like the journey of just, you know, it's still such a barrier that I never thought I would be able to, to break that I didn't even, I never thought I could be in that category. So still for me, a big, like, okay, you know, which it gives all of us, you know, just a, again, a different perspective of, you know, as you get older, sometimes, you know, when you're young, when you first move to this country, you're like, you know, come on, you know, you're ready yeah. to fight. Mm-hmm. And I feel as you get older, sometimes you just kind of got to go, well, you know, that's what I've learned. That's the lane I stay in. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. So it was a big eye opening for me. Right, right. I mean, let me talk about the importance of the representation of, you know, Latinas and the Latina family, a mixed family as well in the literary world, because that is so important. I think we're seeing more and a little bit more and more of it. There's a lot of Latinas out there who are self-publishing or they have their own publishing company and, you know, they're trying to help others out as well. Um, But to see you actually make that mark, I mean, it's just, you're opening the doors for so many others. And is that something that you think about? You know, I, you know, I think it would be strange for me to go like, well, you know, I'm going to, pave the path or opening doors like I don't think of myself you know being that person it's just not my nature I'm thinking more of you know I always think of myself of just 
you know, go to work, get it done, you know, break mm-hmm. barrier, you know, break the chain. I'm always like, break the chain, Camilla, you know, break the chain of where you come from, what people did, did it or whatever. So I always go that way. So I don't see myself as like, you know, this big, you know, um, what's the word in English? Here we go. You know, like, you know, um, you know, like advocate to open ground yeah. exactly right but then when it happens it, and it has happened in multiple uh multiple times in my along my career and my life you know and my personal life and all of that but when it does happen then I do take a moment to step back and go okay what does that mean like you know mm-hmm. like it hasn't been many Brazilians that have done that you know mm-hmm. it hasn't been you know and again like you know, when you look at the book, right, I have a copy of the book here, like you say, it's representing a mixed family, right, which I don't see, I see a lot of one way or another, mm-hmm. right, like, I don't see that mix of like, okay, when you have a mixed family, when you, you know, like, so I think that when I stop back and I go, oh, yeah, this is cool, because it is opening paths for other people that want to do the same way. Absolutely. Well, your book also, I mean, even though the the way that it was conceptualized and everything, because it's not like just eat your vegetables type of book, you reversed it. That's the whole premise of the book um, in regards to the parents are the ones not eating the right foods and the children are calling out the parents. So that right there, you guys created something different, but you put a lot of thought into it because again, there is that representation there of a mixed family because we're seeing so many, that's just the way the world we live in. And so did you want to do that because you saw your family in that or was it more just like, let's just do something different? No, I think that it's an area that it's not fully represented. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I was very specific about it. Like even when they, you know, the illustration was almost final, I went back and I said, guys, like, because all the kids look the same color. And I was like, guys, no, like the dad, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you got to mix it up a little bit. Because I think that, you know, it is a large majority of us, which, you know, Mm-hmm. this generation it's 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 a, a gap of people that either you are full on from a different country and you can't you know and you came here but then you were born here with mixed families and you kind of wait uh, am I Latina am I American mm-hmm. am I American am I Latina where do I fit in well but Absolutely. I don't really you know like um and and again this multicultural thing I think it's a theme that I don't see as when I go into a bookshop, I was just at the bookshop the other day, uh, signing some books at book people. And, you know, they had a beautiful display of all kinds of books. And again, I saw a lot of, you either see one color or one yeah. gender or mm-hmm. one, um, you know, or one uh, culture or what. And I'm like, well, but we're all kind of mixed. Right. And it is my family, you know, my, my kids are mixed kids. Mm-hmm. They're not one or another. They, you know, I, I think it's very important. I teach them both cultures, you know, like can make that very alive for both sides for them. So I just, I just thought it was a very important thing to represent. And, and yes, it is, it is a, you know, the, the, the illustration is not my family. It's, you know, that was never the intention, <laughs> um, but in a way it does represent how we are a mixed family. Right. Yeah, because that has to be very important. 
And as a Latina mother of, you know, uh, coming from a family that is mixed, what is the one thing that you really want to teach your children about your culture, Brazil? Like, what is it that you, do they speak Spanish, Portuguese? Like, is there something that you intend to, that you want to do? And how do you do it? Because I mean, I've got a 15 year old and 18 year old, right? And so of course, you know, you know how it is with work. I think you, you maybe may have traveled a little bit more. We're a little bit more tethered here because of our work. So we, I didn't get a chance to go back to Mexico as much as I wanted to, or as much as I went, like I would right. go every summer. It was just harder with the kids and they have their things. And you're caught up in the soccer games and, you know, theater yeah. or whatever. So you're kind of tethered. So how do you do it? Um, look, I think that the language, as much as I think is extremely important, is extremely important. It's a challenge mm-hmm. when you don't have, you know, my mom used to live with us. So for the time that my mom lived with us, her and I spoke Portuguese the whole time. So, you know, like my oldest son, he speaks better Portuguese than the two youngest mm-hmm. because he was around more, right? Yeah. For the time he lived with us. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have anybody that speaks in the household, it just is a challenge. Like it just, I, I, I really give a lot of props to people that are able to do it right. Cause I'm always like, how are you doing it? Like, <laughs> right. Um, so I, I, we did one thing, which we stopped. We have to go back to it. So the kids did, you know, Portuguese classes on the, on, you know, every Saturday they did Portuguese class at a Portuguese school here in Austin. And then we traveled so much. So then we started finding, you know, um, what's the name of the company? It's a company that's all over the United States and you can learn languages. So they would do that, but like some cities will go, the teachers were great, others not so much. So it just kind of like, it got it, it got to a point where I was like, okay, this is not fully working properly. So my mother started to do a Zoom Portuguese class with my kids throughout the pandemic and that was really sweet and they you know so they got to keep up a little bit but I I love that if you're able to keep the language early on with the kids that's extremely important I I I was not able to do it 100% they know some like I say my oldest can get around my youngest too yeah kind of thing they're still learning um but I think that you know, putting the language aside, I think if you can really install that, the essence of the culture into the kids. And for me, with Brazil is the music. Yes. How colorful we are, is how kind our culture is, how giving our culture is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the food you know, so like the food is like it's on the daily basis, right? The cartoon characters, right? So we, you know, we used to watch the Brazilian cartoons and have the, the you know, Brazilian books. Um, you know, they know Sassi Perere, like, you know, like, they, so it's really if trying to get that, the essence of the culture. And I think that if the essence of the culture is there, regardless of having the language or not having the language, they would have an extreme uh, passion and connection for what it means, for what it means to have that background. So, you know, like my kids, every time we leave Brazil, they are crying. They are in tears. Every time we go to the farm, which is like, the farm is in the middle of nowhere, you know, barely electricity, like, you know, (laughs) super simple. And they are 
crying every time that they just want to stay there and they want to have more time there. They want to be with their, you know, their Brazilian family. So I really think that again, if you think of whatever culture it is, what is the essence? And if you can daily, you know, have little splashes of that weekly, have little splashes of that, then if they know the language, amazing. But if they don't, they will still love the culture and they can always, you know, work on learning the language. That's so true. I love that. I mean, I remember taking my kids to Mexico. They were a little bit older and they immediately fell in love with it. It's interesting though, how their experience is different than what my experience was. I mean, my mom's like one of 10, my dad's one of 13. So of course, you know, growing up when we went to go visit family in Sonali, you know, they weren't as well off as they are now. There was a little bit more struggle. You know, we didn't have the hot water, you know, you showered in cold water. Um, and then I'm telling my kids all these stories and we get there. And of course, and, and granted, it's like great for them. You know, they moved on up and it's a two-story house. Like, what do you mean, mom? This is great. I'm like, it was not like this. <laughs> not like this when I grew up. <laughs> You're like, I didn't get the warm water, but no. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of us like going to Bolivia, it's the same thing, right? It's, you know, I, I was just like, oh my God, like, this is such a different world, but I appreciate where I come from now. You know what I mean? Like now that we're here and I'm just like, wow, like I would do anything to like be able to visit more. But Camilla, as when you came here, you worked really, really hard to um, really get where you are. I mean, this wasn't just handed to you. You really, I don't think people realize like everything that you did you were in order to achieve uh, what you have accomplished. So as you came here, cause you know, you wanted to model and stuff, what would you say was probably one of your biggest barriers to um, when you were trying to achieve and getting into the modeling industry, you know, as a Latina as well? Yes, uh, you got me a little, a little, a little tear eye over there. I kind of, you're talking, I'm like, I had a little flashback movie. <laughs> yeah all going through my head right now um look I think that for me in terms of the modeling world right that's the specific question that you're asking I think that it was really again as you know I, I was kind of like I wasn't white but I wasn't dark skin I yeah. was Latina enough I wasn't you know what I mean like I always mm-hmm. kind of felt like I was in the middle mm-hmm. and the client, like, you know, brands sometimes didn't know what to do with me because it wasn't as of a diverse world that we have now. I bet you that if I was start modeling now, my career would have been very differently, very different, sorry, mm-hmm. very different. My career would be very different than it was back then because they would literally be like, we love you, like you're beautiful, yeah. but like we need a dark skin and we need a white or we need white and we need a um, you know, a blonde, blonde hair. We need this. Like, it was very, you know, like it was a lot. Yeah. Yes. You know, so I remember being, you know, trying to be a bit of a chameleon. So, Mm. you know, if it was like, you know, I would straighten my hair for certain things, you know, and like my hair lighter color or darker, or, you know, do Afro. I used to sit, you know, at night and roll my hair into pieces of paper towel to, wake up with an afro because you know okay maybe if I got an afro I will fit more in into this categories that they have you know right, right. To put in so I think that 
that was a bit of a a challenge for me when I was going through just mm-hmm. the fact that it, it I, I wasn't spot on into what they called mm-hmm. you know the categories that they saw back then including the Latina category which if you go back if you go back you know we're talking you know I was 19 years old so 20 years ago, it wasn't a lot of that representation. Brazilians were represent, but it was it was different. Again, it was Giselle, you know, which is more fair skin, lighter hair. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, again, that middle of the fiddle, like where, you know, we got brown, but where are you from? Kind of that mystique that we all have, right? That, yeah. that we all have just wasn't that rep- that much representation of it. But you were able to do that for so many now, you know what I mean? Because now a lot of the models are darker skin, beautiful, like darker features and stuff like that. So do you ever look back and and just sort of wonder like, wow, like this, looking at yourself and being like, this is beautiful. Like this is what beauty is now accepted in most around the world, you know, because you really broke that barrier. Well, I think that beauty, you know, look, that's a, that's a whole bigger conversation about yeah. what's considered beautiful or not, right? And I think that for me, and I don't know if it's because I travel all over the world, I lived in different places around the world, I'm able to look at people and appreciate their beauty, regardless of their color, their size, their age, you know what I mean? All of that, like, I don't know. For me, I see beauty from, yes, you see features. Sometimes you see people that their features are amazing. You're like, wow, like how did that happen? Right? Like go sit on the other side of the room. (laughs) Like, you know, I always joke, but, um, but, you know, but also like, I don't know, I see beauty from the inside out, you know, like, I think that when you're looking at somebody, if you're able to just get past what the standards are, then all of a sudden you're seeing deeper layers and you see that whole beauty is almost like you can almost tell what the story behind that person is. And you go, wow, you're just beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. You know, so you're able to see beauty at the same, same way that I was, I've been around, I mean, some gorgeous women, gorgeous, but they're so it's not pretty. So I, yeah. I, I couldn't see, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, they're not pretty. Like they're not beautiful. Like, right. you know. Right. But they photograph, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that brings us to another interesting question that Melina and I were talking about. It's just, um, obviously, the beauty standards have changed or evolving a little bit here from the U.S. and that. But tell us, like, about, if you can, like, the differences of beauty as seen in Brazil versus the U.S. from what you've oh, I, seen. Yes, I think that Brazil went through the same, the same changes. Really? different way yes because you know as mixed as we are brazil still had a a bit of a race problem Hmm. you know to where to embrace the afro hair the afro color all of that like it was still a taboo it was still something that you know it was still a race uh problem going on in brazil so it has come a long long way as well Hmm. and for women that are you know not on this status you know in that box of the body that everybody thinks it should be attractive so if you're on you know past the line 
Uh, it used to also be looked down on to where now you see musicians, you know, we have this musician in Brazil, Jojo, and she's like fully, you know, she embraces her, her body in a very, you know, like, no, this is who I am, you know, and um, exactly, which before we did not have that. We did not have that before. Do you think the, you know, challenges that, um, you know, Brazilian women faced in Brazil are the same as the challenges that Latinas face here in the U.S.? Are they slightly different? Is one particular area more supportive or not? Do you mean in terms of like what Brazilian women will face here in the United States or in Brazil itself? In Brazil. In Brazil itself. No, I think it's different because, you know, when you're in a different country, you're just dealing with different situations, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that you don't have, you may have the barrier to break about, you know, how you look, right? Or things like that, but you wouldn't necessarily have all the barriers that comes with a different culture, Mm -hmm. right? Because I think that a lot of times too, Mm -hmm. people forget how hard it is coming into a different culture. You know, like I saw this, I saw this video the other day on, um, on Instagram. It was this video and, you know, just somebody talking, like, I guess it came from TikTok or something, I don't know. And it was like, you know, I don't care what anybody says. If somebody packed up their whole lives and moved to a different city, they're a badass. And that, you know, and I'm like, that's true. But if you pack up and move to a whole different country, yeah, that's the whole different level of, of things. And I don't think that sometimes people in the, the culture that you come in into, a lot of people are sensitive to that, but a lot of people are not. I always laugh when people try to correct. And I still have people that try to correct me today. Right. <laughs> on, on, I have somebody that works with me. She always tries to correct me on it. And I'm like, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? She goes, mm-hmm. I do. So that's all that matters. Like, I don't need, like, I'm not trying to, it's not that I don't want to learn proper English, but a lot of times you're in the middle of a thought of a a feeling, right? A sentiment of something. And if you get so caught up on the fact that that person, it's mispronouncing this one word by certain letters, then are you really getting the feeling and the sentiment? Mm. Or you so caught up on the proper grammar that you're not, right? Like, yeah, so I think, you know, I just think that a lot of times people in the culture forget, which is easy to forget. It's not their fault, but to be stripped from all your, from all of your culture, from all of your family, from all of what you know, uh, from your roots. And then you have to plant yourself and, you know, put your roots back in there, but the soil is different, right? The minerals is different. Yeah. Like the nutrients, mm-hmm. It's all different. And I think that as, and also honoring that, okay, you can put your roots here, but you still have your root, you know, part of your, your roots grew at a different place or came from a different place where it's connected to a different place. So your point of view, how you go about things is going to be unique and different. And I think that embracing those things instead of like, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's super important. I think it's extremely important. Absolutely. And so, God, there's just so much that you were able to bring together. And then now you have your book and, um, you know, you're teaching and and you're you're doing all of these things. Is there besides 
wanting to help, you know, with food and, and the, the health aspect of it, what other message did you really want, like, to give from your book? From the book, I think that, you know, the, really, the, the main message of the book, you know, it's really to start the conversation mm-hmm. around Somebody asked me before we launched the book, somebody that I worked with me asked me, said, what would be considered success for you for this book before it goes out? And I said, if I start to learn that families are having conversations about food and understanding of food with their kids, that to me will be a success. And that's, that was, that was it. That was my genuinely in my heart, the goal that I had for this. Obviously I told the whole team that we needed to push it out, but deep inside my heart, you know, you got to push the team. Right. But deep inside my heart, like I wasn't trying to chase a certain thing. I was just really trying to chase. If I can get that conversation going, then that's a success to me, which it has happened. I'm getting a lot of messages. I'm crossing people on the streets and they're sharing stories, how it actually helped them with, you know, a, just a little kid's book, right? With the, with the mission. And it's just, again, creating this concept, understanding this concept of balance. Mm-hmm. That is not about being, you don't have to put that pressure on being perfect. But if you understand why is good, why is bad, how does it work? what it comes from, then you've given your child and yourself the power to make the decisions. And if you do that, right, even if your child doesn't get it right away, if it takes a little while, like my kids, it took them a while, you know, they go in and out of it, but you create a stronger foundation that you can always go back to it, right? And then eventually they really start to practice in a really positive way. And it affects the whole household. And the, rea- and, and the concept that food should be fun. We're going to have a relationship with food for the rest of our lives into the day we die, yeah. you know? And, and the fun has kind of been taken out of it, of all this, you know, follow this, do that. that, 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 that. Food is not that, comp- it shouldn't be that complicated, right? So bringing the fun back to food and giving the power of knowledge, I think it's, um, you know, very s- strong points of the book. And you make it look fun. I saw your social media post with Matthew and the kids when they were just devouring the yucca fries. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about the yucca fries story and how easy was it to get everyone to try one bite with that? Oh, they love it. They love it. Like, you know, but again, but we've been doing yucca since they were little. I've been doing yucca since they were little. Oh, got it. Mm-hmm. Like, I love yucca. Um, so my kids, love, they love it more than French fries. Like. It doesn't stay in the place. It's literally like fighting. I have to go, hey, slow down. Like, it's okay. And they're trying to like put, you know, who puts more in the plate kind of thing. Um, so I think starting early, that's why, you know, this concept of the book, start early. You know, then yeah. you start early, then the, it's a it's a easier battle late on for you, you know? Well, that's great. And so I guess for everybody listening and who wants to get into illustration and well, the book and, and writing the book and putting it together, what tips um, would you give for somebody who has that dream? Um, look, you started, you know, in, in the beginning, you shared how, you know, how hard I work, that things were not handed to me, which is right. true. And I think that, you know, people do have the misconception, right? Well, you're married to Matt. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that, guys. Like it doesn't, you know, snap a finger and get it done. It doesn't work like that. Even so I've been working my whole life from very early on. And I think that one thing that I've learned 
early on when I was like, actually when I was um, cleaning houses and waiting tables, that I learned that you have to realize what you're good at and what you're not. And then you have to go, when I'm good at it, I'm owning that. No, I'm owning that. That's my space. What you're not good at it, you got to find people that can really support and help you either get better at it mm-hmm. so you can own it or, you know, or partner with people or learn from people. So it's very important. So I think that in terms of, you know, writing a book, I was terrified of writing a book on my, on my own, because again, like I said, like it's not my language. I write long, you know, when you translate from Portuguese to English, it goes long. So my writing is very long and I'm like, how am I going to fit this mission into, you know, the book, yeah. Thin, like a thin kid's book. They can only have so many words per page and all of that. So, you know, that's when Adam, you know, with his experience came on board and really made that magic happen. But you have to own it first, which you really want, right? So I came in with, this is the mission. This is the idea. This is what I want to pass it along to other families and kids and parents. And then we work together to create, you know, this writing and this word and all of that, which he did majority of the writing, because again, I was terrified to it, right? If I were to do another book, maybe I wouldn't be so terrified of it. Maybe I would take it a shot on my own, right? To kind of, I don't know. I don't know. But I think that if anybody's trying to write a book, the process, it's way more complicated than what it really seems. And that's not to put anybody down. It's just to understand that it's work. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to go like, oh, let me, you know, put these words down. Like it's work. So yeah. finding partners from, you know, who's going to publish your book, the illustrator, the illustration is extremely important. You want to get an illustrator that by the time they're done, you cannot imagine the words without the characters. So that's when you know you got a really good illustrator, right? Mm-hmm. And the illustrator for me, one tip that was that for me, how I, you know, chose how we chose my, my fault. But for me personally, I was like, how are the eyes, the eyes of a character and expressions of a character say a lot, right? And keeps engaged, right? So that was one thing that I've kind of became more aware in the process. Um, and who are you going to partner with? Who is going to push the book? Do they believe in the same things that you believe in? Do they believe in you as hard as you as you do, do they see the vision that you see? Do they also think that you can achieve a certain level that you can, you know, like Deandra worked so closely with me on this. And she was like, no, as Latinas, like we're going to do, you know, like she's like, we're going to do this and we're going to do it. We're in it for, you know, we're going to try harder. We're going to give it our best. So you need those kind of people around because if not, the process can be, so can be challenging and can also be, you know, right before we launched the book, we didn't know if the book was going to work or not. So mm-hmm. then you start doubting the process, you know what I mean? It is, and that's so you need those people that are strong believers of you and what you accomplish and that mission to continue pushing that project and you to be successful. So I think those would be the, the tips really surrounding yourself with the right people is extremely important and knowing what you're good at and what you're not. And what you're not, what are you doing? Are you bringing somebody to do it? Or are you going to bring somebody to teach you to get better at it and you can do it? Because it's a big mistake when you go, well, I can do it all. I know it all. If you actually don't. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 
That is very true. Well, we definitely believe in you, Camilla. So any of your projects, always happy to support you because I just think as Latinas, we have to support one another. It's extremely important. The other communities, they definitely support one another. And I feel like, which is why we did this, is because Absolutely. we need more support out there amongst Among the Latina women, because there's so many of us all over the world. So um, you definitely are in different cultures and different backgrounds, but we're like all, you know, the same community. So yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I do want to give a shout out to somebody that's doing a great representation who works really hard too. is uh, Patty. What's her last name? Deandra does Los Libros. Patty Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Patty Rodriguez. Yes, to Patty Rodriguez. She does amazing work. She works really hard. She also represented, you know, like she was working at the Ryan Seacrest show, which again, like it was a whole, you know, she really made her mark there and she worked there for many years. And now she's got this whole mission with Los Libros, which is bilingual um, books. Mm-hmm. And uh, for, you know, for anybody listening she's our next guest yeah (laughs) yeah definitely thank you for letting us know about her but that is fantastic I mean we love it I know that um you said you'd like to you learn a word every day right so I was reading and tell me this is correct or not that when you enter a room there's a Brazilian kind of saying that you say to everyone is it we we what's oi 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 oh so oi oi it's just like, hello. It's like, oh, hello. <laughs> that's great. Hello. I'm going to start saying that to everybody when I walk into the room. I love it. <laughs> and you know, for me, it's just with the language, guys, it's like, you know, I think that no matter how old you get or how long you've been in this country or what your background is, it goes the same way for, you know, if you're learning Spanish, if you're born in the States by a family that speaks Spanish, you know, and you're learning, you always, you shouldn't be ashamed of asking. If you don't know what it is, just ask. That's what I do. Yeah. You know? It can be a serious conversation with very high profile people and I'll be like, what does that mean? You know, what, what, you know, and I, and you just learn it. It's no shame on it. I feel like we just had a mini masterclass, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. With Kabila. I mean, she, you're amazing. Thank you. need to put a masterclass on, honestly. We'll do <laughs> it. DeAndra, we're going to host it. We'll do it all together. Yeah. We'll Perfect. do it. We'll get it done. Perfect. And you know, when DeAndra says she's going to get it done, she's going to get she it done. She gets it done. <laughs> she does get it done. Camilla, thank you so much. You are just so wonderful. And thank you, you know, for we're so grateful. giving us your time thank you today. So much. Thank, thank you, you for much. sharing the time. And until next time, mis Latinas, besos a todas. We go get her book. And go get the book. Just try yes. one bite. Yep. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. everyone. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Bye. Bye.